This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back. It is Sportsbook. That's Melody Hum, our own Melody Hum, who does the intro to the podcast. By the way, it's time once again to talk about ba 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 golf. That's right. We're going to do a golf podcast today. We have a very special guest. It's not Miles Udland. He is on the show today. He is not the special guest. We have, joining the program via phone, Mike Davis, head of the USGA. Of course, you know the USGA as the organization behind the U.S. Open and a lot of other important events and programming in pro golf and non-pro golf. Lucky to get to talk to Mike today, so we're just going to dive right in. Of course, this comes on the heels of The Match, the Phil Tiger Thanksgiving showdown just a couple weeks ago. And uh, I'm sure Miles and I will chat a little bit about that after our chat with Mike. So stay tuned after we say goodbye to Mike. Let's bring him in, Mike Davis. I'll tell you some background, Mike. You know, this is a, it's a, sort of a general sports business podcast, so anything sports and business and money. And uh, it was originally born about a year and a half ago as an NFL-focused podcast, but we've expanded to whatever we want. And Miles and I, that ends up many, many, many weeks being golf talk, so... That's great, I, and I had heard that. Um, so, thank you. It's, it's great to have you guys do that. And uh, you know, you guys probably know enough that it is amazing how big a business golf is when you look nationally. It actually dwarfs other sports in terms of you know how big an economic impact it is. And because um, you know, while football obviously is a huge sport, there aren't that many people that actually play the game. They may watch it, but when you look at the economic input impact, when you look at how many Americans actually have jobs related to golf, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, something that we've talked about uh, a lot this year is we, we've talked to a couple couple of different um, tournament directors for PGA Tour events and how big of a production that is, how big an impact those tournaments have on the local community. And I think um, when you look at, at golf as a community, it's certainly more... Um, I guess tangible, you could say, than like a football fan, right? A football fan hasn't touched their pads in in years, maybe never. Uh, but it's very rare that you find a lot of golf fans who aren't also uh, doing something right. with the sport themselves. Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, it, the one thing that really does make our sport different from most is that it is a game of a lifetime. I mean, from the time you are a, a, a little kid to the you know almost the time that you, you leave this planet. It, um, it it's a game you can play, and, and the other thing, it it you can play this game at, at varying levels, and you can play it on an equitable basis. Which again, think about this: you can play tennis most of your lifetime, but generally speaking, you're going to play against people that are the same type of of competency, or right. you're just not going to have a fun time. But in golf, you can you know a beginner literally can play with the best player in the world. And with the handicap system, you can actually have a really fun, challenging, equitable game. So it's it's it does make it different, and, and that's why you've got you know millions of people that actually play our sport versus you know millions that would follow football but don't necessarily play it. Right, Mike. I'm glad Miles brought up the recreational level because uh, we often talk about the importance of drawing the distinction between regular people playing golf and then people following professional golf. Uh, you know, ratings for golf have been recently uh, on the rise. There's been a, a big bump. We can get into, you know, the Tiger Woods effect a little bit. 
But then separately, I've covered a lot how some of the golf equipment makers have struggled in the last few years. And for a while, there were some troubling numbers about rounds of golf played. Uh, how much of your job are you thinking about stoking interest in golf at the recreational level, the amateur level? And then how much are we thinking, you know, let's keep pro golf bigger than ever and make sure that that's popular? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, what the USJ is, we're, you know, we're the really the oldest golf organization in this country. Our focus is all about the game as a whole and making it better. So, you know, listen, we do run the U.S. Open. We run the U.S. Women's Open, two of the biggest events on the planet. But at the same time, we engage not only with the average golfer in the United States, but what we're engaging and affecting golfers from around the world. And um, so if you look at what our mission is and you really break it down and how we spend our resources, I mean, we're, we're almost spending a quarter of a billion dollars a year on the game of golf. We have put more into the game of golf than any organization in the world. And, and that is not just focused on the elite game. It really is focused on the game as a whole. So um... – Thinking about the game broadly, you know, you guys are rolling out the modernized golf rules at the beginning of next year. Um, I've been reading about this for some time. Can you maybe give us like a, a couple of the biggest headlines that people should take away from the modernized rules of golf and why you, along with the RNA, went into this project and tried to um, change some of the rules? Because I don't know. I think about it when I go play with my buddies. Like, yeah, we know we're supposed to. Oh, this is a lateral hazard, or oh, we're supposed to drop where it went out of bounds, or whatever. But we kind of just look at each other and say, "All right, you good with this?" And then we play it from there. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, how you guys tried to ch- change the formal rules, and then how much you thought about the way people actually play the game, which of course is sort of a, uh, you know, as long as we're all okay with this, we'll we'll roll with this. Yeah, it's well. Listen, we would be the first to admit that. Um, by having one set of playing rules for the entire game worldwide, that means for the best players, the elite players in the world, to the beginning golfers, to males, to females, to seniors, to juniors, um, we would admit that the rules are complicated. But in part, part of the reason is there are rules for match play when you play against another person, but there's also rules for stroke play when you are playing against an entire field. There's sometimes when you're playing by yourself with no partner. Other times you have a partner. Other times you maybe have a partner and you're playing alternate shot. But when you when you look at that and you think about all the things on a golf course, you know, as you said, there are ponds out there. There are bunkers out there. There's putting greens. Um, the rules really are, are there to cover, you know, really every situation. And – if you want an equitable outcome, what, what just happened almost organically over the years is they just became more complicated because this, this thirst or this quest to answer every question, to have every outcome be equitable. And so, you know, every several decades, you, we really have to take a step back and say, we need to make the rules easier to understand, easier to apply. And in, in today's world, actually leverage technology. So what we 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 did that, and this new rules that that'll be launched in less than a month, it has done just that. It, it and it's our belief that if, with these rules being easier, golfers will become more comfortable with the rules. And and listen, data would would show that if you're more comfortable out on a golf course, 
you know, knowing the etiquette, knowing how the rules work, um, even things where, you know, if you're a beginning golfer, you show up at a golf course, what are you supposed to do? You know, um, how do you mark your golf balls? I mean, how do you check in? All those things, you know, we just know that if golfers are more comfortable, they will play more golf and they'll they'll enjoy themselves more, which at the end of the day is really what the game is about. So uh, we're excited about this. We got a lot of input from literally tens of thousands of golfers from around the world gave us some input. So we're excited about this um, this launch uh, that'll that'll start, um, as I say, less than a month from uh, today. Mike, uh, since we're talking about the rules changes and, and making golfers more comfortable, a lot of this, you know, involves, as you say, trying to be prepared for every situation. But at the same time, uh, at some point, it kind of got too complicated. Let's go back to how we stoke interest in golf. You know, that's the, the topic that interests me so much, uh, trying to bring new people to the game. And again, you know, that means getting them interested in watching pros, but also, you hope, eventually, maybe in playing golf. Uh, and I'm with Miles. I think golf is one of those few examples where when you say you you follow the game at the pro level, people assume that you also play it. You know, people are surprised when I say, oh, I don't play golf, but I love following it. You know, it's like when you say I'm an NBA fan, people don't assume you play basketball, too, in, in your spare time. But, um, but golf is that way. Uh, tell me sort of overall what you think can bring new people to the game. You know, just as a case study, I have a couple of friends who are big sports fans, but I just can't really get them into following golf other than maybe the Masters at, at most. And I say, oh, you got to get into it. you got to watch all the majors. And it's hard to sort of convince them. Uh, what do you think can bring those skeptics along and prove to them this can be really exciting to watch? Is it, you know, obviously there's a Tiger effect, but is it the young stars? A lot of people bring them up. Well, listen, there, there is no doubt that the elite game, the professional game, um, can attract and does attract and has long attracted golfers. I mean, I think back to even myself. I, I did play competitive golf, but I think back to you know, U.S. Open some, you know, 40-some years ago, my father took me to, and I think about how that impacted me personally and really, you know, it got me to the point where I wanted to play golf, and it stirred my interest, and I'm not unusual in that case. But listen, at the end of the day, golf really is, it's a lot of things. As I mentioned, it's a game of a lifetime. But it's also an opportunity to challenge yourself. And golf is a challenging game. But it's also a social game. It, it can be a game where you can go out and play by yourself. It, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of things to a lot of people. But at the end of the day, golf needs to be enjoyable. And, you know, it, it, enjoyability means different things to different people. But, you know, as we've studied the facts, we do know that some of the pressures on the game, and, and these aren't new, have been the cost of the game. Um, And I would say, relatively speaking, if you look at the last 100 years, the cost of the game has come down substantially. You know, we we still fight from time to time this notion that golf is a rich white man sport. The facts absolutely do not back that up. Um, You know, it used to be 100 years ago, the vast majority of golf courses were private clubs that you just simply couldn't get on unless you were asked to become a member. Nowadays, over three-quarters of the golf courses in the United States are open to the public. The average cost to play around an 18-hole round of golf is roughly $34. So, you know, compare that to other things. Compare going out to dinner or going to the movies, it is much more affordable. 
Um, I know time is continually cited as one of the barriers to the game saying, geez, I just don't have four or five hours to go play 18 holes. One of the things the USJ has been very focused on the last several years is saying, hey, you don't need to play 18 holes to play around the golf. We've worked with golf facilities around this country to say, be more welcoming to nine holes. Think about how you can engage mm-hmm. people in the game if they only have an hour. And you know what? It's absolutely starting to work. We are seeing nine-hole rounds grow and grow. And we're also seeing junior golf numbers go up. I mean, there's some really good statistics that we're feeling bullish about the game in the future. Um, we, you know, it used to be for decades, if you looked at junior golfers, in fact, we have more junior golfers right now than we've ever had in this country. But, but a stat within that is really exciting in that for decades, if you looked at junior golfers, somewhere between one out of five and one out of six junior golfers were females. We're now up to one out of three. That bodes well for the future. And, and I think the more that golf can be welcoming to, to, to anybody that wants to play the game, and, and I just think the game has over the years become much more welcoming. And listen, there's no doubt that golf also is affected by the economy. We've watched this for over a century where when times are good, people have more disposable income, they have more time, and they will play more. So, you know, when you see the economy, you know, suffer, um, our, our game will have more challenges. But listen, at the end of it, if you look at really all the measures, we are very well, – we're very positive on the future of the game and, and think it really is moving in the right direction, acknowledging there are certain pressures that we're focused on. You, you mentioned nine-hole formats. I remember, too, years back already when some people were uh, experimenting with different little tweaks to bring new people in. You know, there was hack golf with a, a bigger hole. Uh, and then recently, you know, Miles and I have heard a couple different pro golfers we've spoken with bring up Top Golf, which, of course, is, you know, it's sort of like almost a, a bachelor party destination, but I've gone. It's really fun. And I've heard them say they think that is legitimately having an impact on making people more interested in golf, too. Great point. I mean, listen, it's very essence. Golf is, it's picking up a golf club, holding in your hands, making a swing, hitting a ball, and seeing how many strokes it takes you to get it in a hole. That's what golf is. It doesn't (laughs) need to be 18 holes. And, you know, I'm not sure we know what necessarily the metrics are to top golf, but we do know that some percentage of those people that have never played our game that are engaging in top golf are and will go into playing, you know, the traditional game as we know it. So it's got to be a good thing. And listen, at the end of it, um, you know, top golf in some ways is no different than going out and engaging in a, in a par three golf course or going to miniature golf or, you know, now we're seeing golf like is is an e-sport. The, the point of it is, it, it, it's there are different ways to enjoy yourself and by swinging a club and hitting a ball and. Um, we like that. We, we support that. So um, we, 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 when something like Top Golf thrives, you know that's a big thumbs up from for the USGA. Now, uh, Mike, something I know that you guys are, are putting out next year, which is not done yet, but I am uh, keenly awaiting. That's the distance report. 
uh, that you guys are doing with the with the RNA. Uh, something as a weekend golfer, I, I think about a lot. I mean, I'm absolutely hitting the ball further than I was, you know, two three years ago. Some of that is probably uh, me getting better, but I know it's the new driver I bought last year for sure. And I'm just interested um, what that conversation is like. We'll stick with the recreational golfer because I think talking about distance and the pro game is like a whole other rabbit hole. But just for recreational golfers, how do you guys think about the way that equipment has changed that experience? I mean, has it leveled the playing field in some instances? I mean, I think a lot of the clubs that are coming out now are, are easier to hit, and I think that is a positive for the recreational golfer. But how do you guys think about where you know new and, and continually better equipment fits into the overall arc of where the sport goes? Yeah, well, listen, a lot of questions there. And I, I guess I'll start out by saying that uh, I'm glad to hear you're hitting the ball further. I, I played in an event. Of, <laughs> so he know, says, I, Mike. So he I says. to the point where I'm hitting it shorter and shorter as, as I age. But, uh, but seriously, here's what I would say. This is an incredibly complex topic. And, and it's not a new topic. This debate. This subject has been going on, and when you look back... I mean, C.B. McDonald was complaining about this. Absolutely. It's been going back before even golf was founded in the United States and, you know, in the 1880s. And, and furthermore, this, this conversation, this debate, this subject is not going to go away anytime soon. So what the USJ and RNA have embarked on is, is a, you know, a, the most comprehensive study on the topic and the history of the game. And we believe that it, that, that this topic deserves it because it's, it's one of those things that so many people feel strongly about. And, you know, when, when we, when you listen to this debate, um, people argue a certain side, but, but what is, what's been crystal clear to us is that we need more facts on this subject. This, this is an issue that's not just about the men's elite game. This is not just about the professional game. This is, a, this is a subject that really affects the game as a whole. It affects the individual recreational golfers. It affects golf courses. I mean, one of the things we do know is that over the last 150, 150 years, as we've seen, you know, this wonderful innovation in the game. I mean, listen, you, you know, there was a time when you were playing with wooden clubs, hitting a ball that was made out of feathers, you know, wrapped around leather. And that's how the game was played for many years. And now you look at where we are. It's not as if today's right and yesterday was wrong or vice versa. It's innovated itself. And it's been, by and large, very, very good for the game. At the same time, you know, what we have seen is that golf courses have continued to have to expand. Um, it's put pressure on those golf courses. Um, they've had to use more resources, you know, more water, more labor. There's more mowing, more fertilizing, et cetera. Yet at the same time, I'm not sure right now and historically we know enough facts to really say, well, what's the impact on the game? And so part of this study, and again, it's just part, is we've reached out to many different stakeholders. In fact, uh, I believe it's over 60,000 people so far from over 100 countries worldwide have, have given us their, their, you know, their opinions, their information on this very complex subject. And, you know, I guess I would just go into it saying that what the USGA and the RNA are really focused on is the betterment of the game long term. 
Um, we don't have any preconceived outcomes here. In fact, we haven't even begun to think about solutions because that would suggest that that we that a definitive problem exists, and we don't know that yet. But what we are doing is looking long term to make sure that our game stays enjoyable, that it's that it continues to challenge the golfer, but that golf courses can be sustained. And and uh, we know there's pressures on water, there's pressures on labor, pressures on time, and we, we just want to do the right thing for the game long term. And in order to do that. Whatever that might be, in which maybe it's nothing, is just to make sure that we're equipped with all the necessary facts. Mike, uh, while we have you here, we have to ask you about the match, the Tiger Phil showdown. Uh, you know, we're lucky enough to have you, the the head of the USGA here on the podcast. So I've got to get your take on you know how that went. Uh, the sort of image aspect was that good for the game? Brought more eyeballs. You know, some people thought, well, it's such a spectacle. Um, and then let me also just ask, you know, how big you think Tiger Woods has been for the program in, in the last year? Well, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed and I'm to, to confess that I was traveling when that match happened. So I have not seen it. I've read about it. Um, I have known both those guys since they were junior golfers. I mean, I you know, I watched Phil win the U.S. Amateur in 1990 and play on our Walker Cup team in 91. And I was one of the very few. In fact, I'm not sure that I don't think there was anybody else with the USJ that, that was at Tiger's three wins as a junior and the U.S. junior, three wins as a U.S. Amateur and three U.S. Open wins. And so I know them well, have immense respect for those two guys and what they've done for the game. And um I think, listen, in terms of did that match have an effect on the game, um, I'm not sure I know enough to, to answer that. But listen, I think just just the fact that you not only had some avid golfers follow it, but I think it's fair to say you probably had non-golfers follow it. Yeah. That has to be good for the game. And, um, you know, whether those kinds of things continue or not, who knows. But it, it's not as if it's something new. I mean, there were those kinds of televised matches going back 50 years ago. I mean, the Shell's Wonderful World of Golf is an example of that. So it, the, those kinds of innovative things are they're neat for the game. We had um, Greg Norman in here on the podcast a, a few weeks back, which was nice to, to talk to him, the Shark. And he was talking about Tiger. You know, at the time we had had just another tournament that had almost record ratings, and people said it's Tiger, it's Tiger. And he said, you know, it's been great to see his resurgence, but also that pro golf as a whole shouldn't put all of its eggs in the Tiger basket. What do you say to that? Well, I think that that's an interesting perspective. I suspect if you had Tiger on here, he'd probably say the same thing. I listen. What's fair to say is that the game of golf is big. It's gone on for centuries. It's almost 600 years old. It's not all about the professional elite game. It never will be. Um, you know, the recreational game in terms of its impact on the economy and so on is far bigger than the professional game. But that said, the, the professional game has an incredible impact Um we would suggest, even though it's, you know, whatever, one-tenth of one percent, it has tremendous impact. You see it week to week. And so I think the thing we're so proud about, you know, with these elite professional golfers is that think about how they conduct themselves relative to other elite athletes in other sports. I mean, so, you know, I think that 
when you see people like Tiger, like like Phil, think about on on the women's game. Uh, these people are, you know, they're hero heroes to people, and it's not just today's players. You know, the, the Jack Nicklauses and Annika Sorenstands of, of yesteryear had tremendous impact too. So. You know, professional elite golf is a part of the game, but listen, this is a global game played by millions of people, you know, on roughly 35,000 golf courses worldwide, Um, you know, here in the U.S., as I mentioned, you know, well over $80 billion economic impact come directly from the game. And, you know, the, the game of golf here in the U.S. employs almost 2 million people. And that's not just about the elite game. That's about the recreational game and golf courses. So, you know, from where the USJ sits, um, we're really focused on the game as a whole, not just the elite game, even though we're, we're involved with the elite game. Yeah, I want to ask you, sticking with the with the elite game, um, does it bother you when players complain about the course at the U.S. Open? Because um, I kind of think they're just being babies about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone's got to play the course. But, uh, you know, as you guys think about the process and sort of, you know, you're going to Pebble this year, which is, um, you know, probably the most beautiful course in the world. Um, do, you, do, do you care that they're complaining? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost, I'm smiling as you're asking that question because, this has gone back, you know, back to the 1890s when when the U.S. Open started, and there is a long history, both on the men's and women's side, in amateur and professional golf, of you know a USGA championship is just different. It always has been, and I hope it always will be. Um, it we we go to the finest golf courses here in the United States that frankly has more great golf courses than anywhere in the world and you know we year in and year out are producing really the the toughest test of golf the ultimate test of golf where you're you are challenged every part of your game you know we want to see all 14 of those clubs get dirty we we want to see you challenged mentally we want to make sure that you that, you, that that the best golfers, you know, in the game are winning. And, you know, listen, we're proud. I, I look at the U.S. Open and think, compare it to any other event in golf, and you look back and who's been winning the U.S. Open, we would contend we're getting the best players in the game winning it year in and year out. And and I think that by going to the greatest golf courses, by setting it up test tough, you know, part of the U.S. Open, and I love it, arguably the greatest U.S. Open player of all time is Jack Nicklaus. And Jack, would he still says it to this day that, you know, it's the biggest event for him. And when he got to it, he loved the fact that some of his fellow competitors were complaining about how hard the course was because he figured mentally they're already out of the event. And he, he's right. already beaten them. And so, I, listen – we want the U.S. Open and the U.S. Women's Open, the U.S. Amateur, the Women's Amateur. We want those to be tough. We want those to be on great golf courses. We want great drama. We want course management to be part of it. And, you know, sometimes maybe in, in the past, you look in the last 125 years, have there been times when it got too tough where maybe well-executed shots weren't rewarded? Yes. But but on balance, we're so proud of of what we've produced and you know relative to next year at pebble beach think about this i mean 
The first, I mean, it's pretty amazing that the first U.S. Open wasn't played there until 1972. But think about that history with Jack winning there, you know, hitting that one iron to the 17th hole and hitting the flag stick. And then 10 years later, Tom Watson beats, literally beats Jack Nicholas and chips in at the 71st hole. And then I would argue the greatest performance, male or female, in a major in the history of the game was probably that 2000 U.S. Open when Tiger won by 15 shots at Pebble Beach. And so I bring up all these because when we go to Pebble Beach, there always seems to be something wonderfully magical happen. And so we're excited about next year. And we're actually going back again in 2020. Um, yeah, 2027. 20, 27. And we've got the women's open. First time the women have been played there in 2023. So it's a, they've been a great partner of ours and people recognize that golf course. And again, something magical always seems to happen. All right. It's great stuff. There's a lot to look forward to, a lot going on uh, at the USGA. Mike, thanks for joining us. It was great being with you guys, and, and happy holidays coming up. All right. Same happy to you. Holidays. Same to you. Yeah. Uh, you get all your all your burning USGA questions answered? Yeah, I think, um, you know, he, he said what you figure he's going to say about the distance debate. Obviously, you watch a pro tournament, the guys are hitting the ball too far. Um, mm. Something needs to be done They're there. Whacking it. Uh, and yeah, and it's like, I don't mean to brag that I'm hitting the ball further, but it just, it just like, it's just happening. Like mm. I go out with my, with my friends and like, you hit a ball, you're like, wow, that went really far. Like what is, what is going on? Because well, it's not the us. Dist- the USGA distance report is going to give right. you all you I mean, need to know. It's the golf ball. Um, it's the club, but it's, mm. it's the golf ball. But you know, he kind of said what you figured right. to say there. We call because, that, because we call that talking your book. There's what? There's four... Club manufacturers, when you're going to tell them, oh, you're, you can't make your clubs anymore, you're going to do other things. One like fewer than uh, a yeah, year ago. It's, it's not Nike how it's, not not it's going to happen. But uh, yep. no, I thought it was good. And uh, I appreciate that he is aware of how much everyone bitches about the U.S. Open course. Yes. Because, you know, like I said, Pebble is like, I would kill to play at Pebble for four days um, part of the U.S. Open, but then all you're going to hear this year is like, oh, the way they set up the pin on 17 yeah, oh, was just ridiculous with the wind <laughs> into your face. Right, you're just going to have Zach Johnson complaining. Uh, so. j- just email Mike. Maybe you can play right. there. It's like, dude, you're in the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. The winner gets two and a half yeah, million dollars. Yeah, but he's way past uh, feeling pleased about that. I understand that. Yeah, I you know. know. He's not celebrating his status. Um, are you surprised that he didn't watch the match? Uh, I'm surprised he copped to it and didn't try to pretend and fake it. I'm almost, I mean, the head I, of the USGA didn't watch the Mickelson Tiger showdown. That is funny. You know what? I the more I think about the match, though, and and why you know the day after you and I, I was like, oh, it was terrible, boring, and you actually watched some of it. But if you think about who it was for, it really wasn't for us. It was for people who don't watch golf at exactly all. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, and so and, and I think you know Mike who else, Davis and I meant to ask him this. Yeah. It was for gamblers. Well, of it course. was for betting. Yeah. But um, oh, we didn't ask we didn't him ask about him gambling. About betting, I yeah, forgot about yeah. that. Um, but that's your area, so that was on you. Yeah, but yeah, sure. I mean, it was for people who don't watch golf at all. So yeah, um, all right. And did they watch? Well, some who watched through BR Live. Oh got my! A failed my stream, dad. So. My dad texted me. We ordered it through Verizon, just the cable box, ah. and they got a refund. Mm, go Verizon! So everyone gave. Oh, even even though you didn't watch. No, through I'm BR saying Live. Every, like every provider wow. gave all the I money back, basically. That. Really? Yeah, yeah. Why would Verizon refund the money if there wasn't a problem with with the stream? 
because, oh, because it ended up being offered free by some. I think that I think all the providers, the cable providers, are probably just like, you know what? Let's just give people their money back, and we will go ahead and sue uh, Turner instead of <laughs> to get the money back. Instead of having that like is a uh, instead story. of having all these people call us and complain about mm. paying twenty bucks for the thing. Mm. Well, we will have to look into that. Thank you so much, Miles Udlin, guesting on the podcast because we were talking about golf. A no-brainer. Thanks so much, Miles. And we loved having on Mike Davis from the USGA. This is Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. Remember, you know what I'm going to say. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We hope you do it. Tell your friends about it, will you? Tweet at us. Miles is at, at Miles Udland. And I'm Reed Dan Wright. And we are at Yahoo Finance. Thanks. Happy golfing. Goodbye. <laughs>